John Garcia of Sports Illustrated is back to, of course, talk about football recruiting from the 2023 class to, oh my goodness, the 2024 class already. Yeah, let's do it. Our Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the best people of all time. Of course, it's the listeners and viewers of Locked on Spartans. It is John Garcia of Sports Illustrated. It's your host, Matt Sheehan. But before we get anywhere else, hey, I'd like to think, thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked on College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked on College. Terms and conditions apply Mr. Garcia, how on earth are we doing on this beautiful, beautiful weekend day in, in your end of the world? Look, Matt, it's the last weekend before college ball, so it is time to run those last errands, mow the lawn, paint, whatever you got to do sure. around the house or apartment. <laughs> get it done this weekend because we're about to be couch locked for, for the rest of the year. So it's a really exciting time for sure. I, I can't wait at all. And, you know, I I don't want to say we're saying goodbye to one of our favorite offseason topics because recruiting dominates the offseason. But now recruiting pretty soon is going to have to share time with actual games. Like, what's what's that all about? That That's that's kind of a bummer. But before we get into, you know, Michigan State kicking off the season against Western, John, it, it's been a while since we've chatted. I think it's been a little over a month. A lot has happened, of course, because, I, look, football recruiting in East Lansing is a 12-month thing now ever since Mel Tucker stepped on campus. I just need your national perspective, your outsider's perspective on how MSU is doing so far in the 2023 class, because there's a lot to be excited about, right? A lot of talent in June for unofficial visits. They've gotten some great talent, too, by Job, uh, you know, Dellinger. They've gotten Stanton Rommel, the offensive lineman. But also, you're missing out on some big guys like Jaden Bonzu, Elliot Washington. The list kind of goes on and on. So after that rambling question right there, <laughs> simply put, should Michigan State fans be happy or content with how recruiting is going so far? I think so. Uh, I think okay. where we've seen Michigan State push forward is where games are won in the trenches. You mentioned Ramil and by Job. I mean, those are two of the best players in the country relative to their positions. By Job is an SI 99 recruit, so the highest ranked recruit that MSU has on board right now, a ferocious pass rusher from Norman, Oklahoma. So a huge win yeah into you know a, a very hostile recruiting territory uh, specifically in that regard and then Ramil he's from Birmingham you know this is a kid who who was coveted by a lot of schools in SEC country and the SEC headquarters is in Birmingham and you pulled him out of, of that entire region back up uh, to, to the Midwest and, and he's now a Spartan to really start to solidify this offensive line class. And I think that's really exciting uh, from a positional standpoint, because when you talk about building a roster, you, you want to bring in as much beef as possible, but you need to coordinate that beef if it makes sense. And I think Ramil offers you a true left tackle talent within uh, this offensive line group that I think has four guys verbally uh, committed right now, uh, some clear interior guys, and now you've got some exterior guys to balance it out. Surely, you want to keep balancing it out with like a Samson Oak and yeah. Lola, but that's a story for later in, in the recruiting cycle. So, yeah, there, there have been some tough losses here, um, but I do think the wins 
overshadow that because there are at more premium positions like offensive tackle and pass rusher. You already had some skill talent on board. Your quarterbacks, Bo Edmondson, long been on board. So as you build the balance of a recruiting class, I think Michigan State is in a really nice position right now because this is one of those programs that any off-season momentum is great because the in-season momentum has been so great over the last few years. So as prospects get up to East Lansing for visits, for game day visits, take in that atmosphere, all of those things, the perception, the profile, and the odds of landing more talent are only going to increase. And, you know, you said we'll get to Samson Okanolo later in this cycle, as well as later this interview. Don't Hey, I cannot have you on this show and not bring it. up Samson Okanolo. I'm contractually I obligated to bring his name up every time you join the show. So we'll, we'll get to him in a hot second. But right now, I just want to talk about the offensive linemen that well, are actually committed to Michigan State. Of course, we have Jonathan Slack out of Detroit. We have Clay Whedon, another down south kid. We have Stanton Rommel and then uh, Cole Dellinger, uh, you know, just from up the road from East Lansing, mm-hmm. not far at all. That That's three four-stars and then a strong three-star right there. Is that it's safe to say that's amongst the best in the conference, or is that somehow not an accurate statement? I mean, how do you put this offensive line class against others in the Big Ten? It is, and I think that's why Ramil is so important because yeah. you can project at least two of the other three, if not all three, on the interior. So now you build an entire offensive line per recruiting class. That's like the old school logic there. So you needed a tackle. You needed a pure left tackle candidate. And I do think uh, that Ramil uh, recruitment uh, puts you in that spotlight. And now you can start talking about a balanced offensive line group. So, yeah, I do think this is one of the better groups in the Big Ten. It's probably a top 10 or 15 group nationally at this point. There aren't many programs that have four-plus offensive linemen verbally committed and and for a lot of them that do not as well balanced as a group like this so obviously an oak and lola can cap it off and make it a top five or six group nationally but i think as it currently stands it's constructed really well none of the guys are overweight i don't think anyone's over 310 315 at this point and that is again another sign of modern recruiting you want to get longer leaner offensive linemen so that they stay scheme versatile and positional are positionally versatile so you can move them around. So if you've got Ramil at left tackle, you can put Dellinger on the other side or maybe right next to him as a guard. I think Whedon's got some right tackle and interior ability in his own right. Uh, and then Slack is clearly an interior guy. So I think sure. some of that versatility works really well. And then Ramil can play right tackle, absolutely, uh, you know, in a pinch down the line. So I do think that there's some nice variance Within this group, the the frames, the athletic profiles of these four O-line commitments are really, really strong, high floor type prospects. You expect them to be able to put on easy weight here going forward. And of course, there's more targets or at least one big target still out there at the position. But I do like this group as it's currently constructed. For me, clearly the strength of this MSU class, at least to date. I think the D-line is going to have something to say about it here going forward. You know, Josh Thompson's coming off the board Monday. MSU, Ohio State, Cincinnati, his final three. I like MSU's chances to to keep the the Cast Tech prospect within state lines. So the D-line group is going to come along. David Hicks still out there on that side of the ball. So uh, the trenches is, is really where the conversation begins for me with Michigan State. And again, a lot of summer victories. Really, all these guys except for Stack 
were all summer victories, and some of them were relatively surprising, right? Ramil had a lot of Tennessee buzz. Um, Pitt was and Penn State really held a lot of buzz for him. Whedon was at one point looking like a lock to Auburn, uh, and Miami was involved. Right. So that was a really big head-to-head win. And then you've got you know the other two in-state recruits uh, that were were more regional battles as well. So really nice battles, and then summer wins on top of it, which is again ideal for a program like MSU, who you expect to be very good on the field it, it's the lesser programs that need to win the offseason so when when the osus the msus of the world are, are winning in the offseason it's only going to spur more prosperity going forward because we expect you know polished football we expect physical football and, and ultimately winning football come the fall which always helps in the recruiting department no doubt about it. And do you just want to nip the Samson Okanola thing in the bud right now? Do you just want to cut to the chase? Let's let's, let's, let's just talk about him. I mean, <laughs> any indication of when he could commit? Is Michigan State even still a realistic shot? Or should we really lower expectations when it comes to this five-star kid that's you know a top 10, 15, 20 recruit in the whole nation um, when it comes to yeah. Mr. Pancake Honcho? Pancake Honcho. Yeah, the best nickname and NIL opportunist in, in this entire class. And I hope All time. more yeah. old linemen get that kind of uh, potential love. But uh, by the way, state of Massachusetts is I think the next state that's going to allow high school prospects to profit. So I think so. Yeah. Pancake Honcho <laughs> might be, you know, those shirts, we might be rocking one of those uh, next time we're, we're on the broadcast, but look, his, his timeline's always been interesting. He has always kind of kept the timeline close to the vest, but it's, you know, it's August 20th as we record right now, most of the high school football seasons either got going this past weekend or are getting going next week. So the window to, hey, I want to get this done before my season begins, that that is days away from closing. And I think if he were to come out and say, hey, yes, I'm going to do it in August, I do think we should temper expectations relative to almost everybody on his list, not named Miami or maybe Alabama. But it does appear that this thing's going to extend into the season. He has given no indication that he will make a, a summer commitment I was in touch with him over the last week, and I just asked him, hey, anything coming up? And he said, um, announcing something cool, but it's not a commitment. So he's basically said he is not uh, you know, coming off the board, at least right now, unless this is all a big uh, smokescreen. But from, from the Michigan State perspective, as well as Oregon and some of these other schools, Ohio State in the mix that, that aren't maybe trending, you want this recruitment to extend a little bit longer. You want it to get into the season. You want him to take more visits and hit the road a little bit more because he does have a, a few official visits that he is allotted to take down the line. So I do think you want to pull some of that buzz off of the Hurricanes and Crimson Tide in particular the longer his, his recruitment goes. And, and look, he knows he's the best available offensive tackle in the country. He can wait till December or February if, if he really wanted to. So I do think while those first impressions to MSU and Oregon, these other schools were really important to to get under his belt, it does appear like he's going to compound that with, with some additional data points during the fall months um, after his senior season begins. And I think that's good news for, again, everybody involved, not named Miami or Alabama. Yeah. I was going to say, I'll, I'll take that, no doubt about it. And also, big announcement, not a commitment. Get ready for the Samson Okanola Pancake NFTs, baby. Let's Call do that right now. With That's, the syrup on there. Oh, this <laughs> NFT syrup. Let's go. This is uh, big big time in, in high school NIL uh, news. This is what we're talking about. Uh, you know, I, I just want to get to, you know, the 2023 class. We could have a big commitment to jumpstart this week coming up. But first, John, I'm so sorry. I got to say goodbye to you for a hot second because I got to talk to the fine folks about betonline.net 
Woo! You've heard me talk your ear off about betonline.net for quite some time, and quite simply because they make betting fun. They have everything that you need from, you know, yeah, they got the classic props, the futures, the lines, but they've got some fun ones out there too. Player-specific ones that you won't find anywhere else for this upcoming college football season because, like I said, BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite betting needs because they are your number one online resource for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. That's right. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. Point blank, they got you covered top to bottom. So kick off your college football season, kick off your NFL season, at Bet Online today. Use your mobile device. Learn more about the trends and actions. Again, that's at Bet Online where the game starts. And as we welcome back the wonderful John Garcia Jr. of Sports Illustrated, that's right. Hey, thank you so much for making us your first listen every single day here in the Locked On Spartans podcast. We. We're talking to you at a great time, actually. This is very ideal because Jalen Thompson, just like you said, out of Cast Tech, we got a commitment coming very soon. Uh, heck, by the time people listen to this, if they listen later in the day, Monday or even Tuesday, true, may or may not have already happened by now, but <laughs> should Michigan State be feeling good about keeping this four-star defensive lineman in the great state of Michigan, in your opinion? Absolutely. Uh, I think when you look at it from a – tangible perspective you've got so many things pulling him to msu right it's the only in-state school that he says is a finalist again he said it was msu ohio state and cincinnati don't know how much ohio state is pushing at 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 this very moment um Mm -hmm. there's not a recent visit of record to to buckeye land uh either uh over the summer maybe one visit in total msu many more visits the uh, obviously, the location, the geography weighs towards Michigan State's favor, but the people, the personal connections on this Michigan State coaching staff for ca- any cast tech recruit is kind of through the roof, right? I mean, his coach from two years yeah. ago is on the MSU coaching staff. I mean, it is really hard to dissect negatives from that perspective. Um, and look, it's still a need in this class. I think that's another important point to bring up in the Thompson recruitment. He is an edge similar to by Job in terms of his skill set, you know, height, weight, and all that. Um, but you need balance. You need as many of those yeah. guys as possible. We just talked about building a great offensive line class. Well, when you're building a great defensive line class, it kind of starts with those two edge rushers. So I do think that there's a huge need here. And I think he's on a bit of a different physical trajectory than Job. I think Job is a little bit more ready to go right now. I think Thompson's going to take a year or two to fill out his frame just a little bit more uh, in order to, to make that Big Ten impact. But a very interesting, dynamic, edge rusher, confident kid uh, who obviously plays great football. You know, Castex's one of the more storied programs in the state. Great rivalries, great uh, league and region that they play in. So um, those are the kids you expect to make an impact as underclassmen once they get Uh, to the collegiate level. So, yeah, I I do think, no disrespect to the two schools in Ohio that he lists as a finalist, but I do think Michigan State uh, has has this race uh, to lose at this point, and and it would be much needed, right? I mean, there's there's been some balance in the class from where these these commitments have come from, but there's always importance and added oomph when you do it locally and hyper-locally, and obviously when you're talking about programs in Michigan, Cast Tech's one of the first couple that you bring up. 
no doubt about it. I'm going to edit that whole part out where he said, like, OSU was kind of cooled off on him. Like, no, th- this is a, a straight-up head-to-head win. Michigan State has won. That, that's that's how I'm going to recognize this. But Done. Has nothing to do with Keon Keeley decommitting and some other edge prospects, Damon Wilson, that are still available. Nope. Just nah. It's just a head-to-head win for Mel Tucker. See, we'll just leave see, it at that. Now, now you get it. There we go. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. There we go. Um, No, but on a real note, look, just like you said, like this could be a really good class for that defensive line because hey, Andrew DePape, you know, he's a highly regarded four-star kid. Jalen Thompson, should he commit? Awesome. And then, just like you said, SI99 kid by Job out of Oklahoma. Just want to shift the conversation to him. Obviously, there's a lot to love about his game, right? I mean, he's one of these top 100 kids in the whole nation, but I'll just ask the, the lazy, boring question. What makes him that high profile of a player in your opinion? Well, I think he's got that combination of floor and ceiling. You know, I think at SI, we try to really value the floor most. We want to tell you these are the best 99 players that you'll see soon in college football, not three, four years down the line. So on the, on that front, Job's got a great first step. He can bend, even if he becomes just this situational pass rusher, he can do damage on 20 snaps a a Saturday, which is really hard to project. But on the ceiling front, which is sometimes too interesting to ignore, he's got such a long way to go from a technical perspective, from a hands perspective, and from a growth perspective, that he can build into one of these strong side pass rushers by the time he's 21 years old, and it wouldn't surprise any of us. So it would be about maintenance at that point. Can you maintain that great first step? Can you maintain the bend and athletic ability that just makes it really darn hard on these offensive tackles to block you? And I think that's even more intriguing when you talk about Job's future at MSU. But but even on the front end with the floor, I do think at worst you're getting a dynamic situational pass rusher, which every single defense – in the world, high school, little league, NFL, college, uh, semi-pro, you need those guys and you need as much of those guys as possible. And, and, and by jobs, a top 10 or so pass rusher in the class and a class that is known for pass rushers. So he is really uh, among the best uh, on the floor end. And I think his ceiling down the line could, could push that and propel that thought even higher. Right on. And also, too, like it has been this long since we've chatted that in between, you know, our visits with one another, Stanton Rommel, obviously we already talked about him, you know, good offensive line class, but specifically just him as an individual player. It sounds like it's not safe to say that he will be left tackle for sure. He could be interchangeable between right and left tackle or why why is it just because he's that athletic of a kid or just because it'll be like a thing of need for Michigan State yeah it always it always depends on the personnel I mean you want in this in the modern game you want your five best blockers on the field it's not as much about this is a left tackle this is a right tackle Uh, but you do want guys who have that versatility and he he's played both edges at at the high school level he's played left tackle over the last two years at, at Thompson High School which for those who don't know in Alabama that's that's the cream of the crop I mean class 7a highest classification in the state, um, you know, in Birmingham and, and really the hardest region and maybe in the south and when it comes to high school football because he's playing, you know, schools that people have heard of across the country, Hoover High School, Hewitt Trussell High School every single weekend. Um, but I think what makes Ramil interesting is his base. He's so big, right? Six foot yeah. seven, just over 300 pounds, carries that weight very well, but he's a wide-based offensive tackle, and I think that really lends itself to one, run blocking, which he is elite at. You combine that lower body power with the extension you get at six foot seven, and yes, you're going to run behind him, and then two, 
it really creates control and redirection ability from a pass protection standpoint. If you're six seven trying to block a by Job, who's you know six three six four, who can bend, you've got to get low. So the wider the base, the more opportunity you, you can get to his plane, and then redirect off of some counter moves. So I think Ramil's got a lot of upside from a pass protection standpoint. Uh, but he's polished. He's he's played a ton uh, in high school. Four year varsity starter. Not easy to do in any state, much less in the state of Alabama. So I do think right. there's a lot of pedigree there. I mean, his father played at Alabama. There's just a lot to like about. Um, about his floor. His floor is among the highest on this entire Michigan State commitment list. Even if he is the product we see right now, I do think he could contend for for Big Ten playing time relatively early. So I do think he's got some swing ability. And then, yeah, it just depends on who who else you get or who else is contending yeah. by the time Ramil's ready to play. You know, is it an Okanlola? Is it somebody else? Um, I think you can have some flexibility there, which again is a good thing. It's it's viewed as a knock, but it really isn't. You want to get your five best blockers on the field. And with Ramil, you're not pigeonholed into just one position. Perfect. God, it's always great having you on. You just say the right things, right? I mean, and hey, look, I'm sure it's some combination of Mel Tucker's doing a pretty good job in, you know, the recruiting trail, obviously. But look at that. Absolutely. Just a potential day one starter on the offensive line. Who who is this program turned into? Look at us go. I'm kind of feeling ourselves right now. This is great. Ooh, it's already on. The Paul Rudd um, uh, gif. Yeah. Exactly. Look at us. This is us. great. Um, you know, John, uh, the 2022 season hasn't even started yet. So what better time to talk about 2024 recruiting than sure. right this minute? Uh, let's just talk about not this fall, not the next one, but the one after that, because yeah. Michigan State has already started that class with Nick Marsh, a six foot four receiver out of River Rouge in Detroit, goes by the nickname of Megatron. Uh, some sites have as a top 100 recruit. Some have it just on the outside. But regardless... I mean, this this is a no brainer, but seems like a pretty bang up way to start your 2024 class. When when you've you've given even if you've given yourself that nickname in the state of Michigan, (laughs) that's a lot. That is a lot to consider. But look, you watch Marsh and the first thing you recognize is, first of all, this kid is huge. Right. Like you said, six foot four as a sophomore in high school, uh, just a staggeringly large human being. But, you know, it's one thing to just be big. But can you be functional? Can you show body control, awareness, and track the football? And, my gosh, that's all you get on tape is him tracking the football. There are a lot of times where River Rouge doesn't even try to hide their intention. They're like, hey, you're splitting out. You're going one-on-one with whoever you want to trot out there, and we're just going to throw you the jump ball anyway. Yet Marsh still comes up with it. So he's got this great combination of feel, awareness, body control, and and ball tracking ability with, of course, a huge catch radius on top of it, that it really creates a lot of intrigue uh, in the red zone, uh, on third and long, along the sidelines, all the places where Megatron was was kind of known for uh, back yeah. in the day, which is weird to say. We shouldn't say back in the day with him. We're, we're not that old. But yeah, yeah, this this is a big time recruit is is the point I'm trying to make. And and I think he's he's really raw. You know, he's not asked to do a whole lot of sophisticated things from what we can tell at the high school level. He is not asked to block a ton or put together this great route combination and stay low in and out of his breaks and all this stuff. So once he adds that to his repertoire going forward, and again, just a sophomore rising junior right now, now you're going to maximize his ability even before he ever gets to mm-hmm. a Michigan State. So I do think that it's it's really um, head-turning and eye-popping with what he does so very well, but there's so much room 
for him to improve upon his game on top of that, that it becomes more exciting. And like you said, heck of a way to start the class in state with a huge name. I mean, that's about as, as ideal as it gets. No doubt about it. And, you know, for this next question, I actually just want you to help me and tell me if this is even a good question or not, because, you okay. know, you're the recruiting expert. Should I even ask, like, what other 2024 names MSU should have in the radar? Or is that just like, is Nick Marsh committing, like, <laughs> such an anomaly this early in the game that it's not even worth talking about the 2024 class yet? Or are there actually, like, some names bubbling to the surface for Michigan State? Well, you always want to look in-state. And I, and like I said, it is, um, it's that time of year where your in-state recruiting prowess is going to improve. It, it just is what it is. It's easier for those kids to get to campus uh, it's just quicker. They're more familiar. They're more focused on the game. So if they've already been identified and offered by Mel Tucker and company, they're that much closer to potentially making a decision. If you're going to grab early commitments like Marsh, you can very well do it at, at, at some of these home games. So naturally, that's kind of where my eyes go first. And, and there's some clear targets that are pretty darn high on the Spartans, the tight end out of Saline, um, Dylan Mesman is one that comes to mind, Jacob Odin from Harper Woods. He's an athlete, receiver, DB type, who can do a lot of things. Um, you expect those type of prospects in-state with offers as you know relative priorities this early on. You expect those guys to get to campus, take unofficial visits, and enjoy the games there in East Lansing. And that can always spur in, into kind of random momentum. You know, I covered recruiting, you know, focused on one team for a long time for multiple teams in this industry. You you get random commitments on game days because you're so locked into the senior class that yeah. there's these, these underclassmen that come and they're like, look, I've seen enough. I'm, I'm ready to make this jump early on. Um, and maybe it's a big game atmosphere or even a little immature at times, uh, but you certainly take it from from a coaching staff's perspective because there's a long way to go in these recruitments and knowing you're at or near the top tangibly like like a verbal commitment tells you is a big deal and again particularly with with in-state recruits you know the, the state of michigan is one that we're paying more attention to every year from a, a an, an analytical and evaluation perspective so i do think that any of those guys you can grab early that are legitimate blue chip or or big 10 type prospects you've got to jump on board with and um, give the proverbial green light to. There you have it. Look at that. Just John Garcia Jr. dropping by with another dynamite conversation, dynamite insight. And I, yeah, I'm going to give a peek behind the curtain right now because uh, we are supposed to talk Friday at noon. It's going to be a very normal time. We had the worst luck with technical difficulties and timing. And, John, you're the man. You jumped on a Saturday afternoon when there's probably literally anything better for you to do in a sunny <laughs> afternoon down in Florida. But here you are on the Lock on Spartans podcast. Uh, I always appreciate your generosity with your time, but today it's it's multiplied by 10. So I cannot thank you enough for hopping on today. Um, and, honestly, I, everyone else can't thank you enough for starting your week with us at Lock on Spartans. But, uh, yeah, John, thank you so much, man. Uh, you're the man. Quite simply put, you are the man. How, how does it feel to be the man? That's my last question. <laughs> no, not at all. Appreciate the kind words. And, and look, we're, we're watching ball all day anyway, so why not talk about it on the record? Bang. Look at that. And we're watching real ball, too, coming up this yes, weekend. Amen. Dublin, Ireland. Huskers, Wildcats. What more could you want in life? God, this is, what a time to be alive, John Garcia. This is, <laughs> this is the best. I cannot wait for games to start. But until then, everyone else, keep it real. Keep it tuned to Lockdown Spartans 2-5 days a week of your team in green and white let's go hey who knows tomorrow we could be talking about a jalen thompson commitment stay tuned to find out how's that for a cliffhanger is that a good cliffhanger jen absolutely yeah, yeah. make them come back for more <laughs> that's right amen amen all right until then love you all go green